What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn. Mm. I reckon we have a bit of a showdown, me and you. Really? Yeah. Okay. Really find out who's a better trainer. Ooh, now you've fucking thrown the cat amongst the pigeons, haven't you? Yeah. I reckon we get puppies, mm. brothers or something like that, okay. and have a bit of a competition, see who can raise it the best. Okay. So now that you've thrown the gauntlet out there, where are you thinking that we're going to get these magnificent specimens from? I want to get duchies right. or shepherds. Yep. So if we're going to get them, the only place in the world that anybody should be looking to get mm. a German Shepherd or a Dutch Shepherd from is House Hamburg Shepherds in Germany. Oh, good call. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like this. All right. So now that we've got the dogs, yeah. what's the next part of the evolution? Well, the good news is mm-hmm. they they can send those Shepherds anywhere in the world. Yep. So what about we get one sent here to Australia? Right. You'll train that one. Okay. And I'll get one sent to myself in North America. Mm-hmm. But we're going to need training equipment to train those dogs. Right. So I guess that I have to go and talk to the bullfed. Yeah. So your gear, all your dog training needs, Mm -hmm. because we'll start fresh. We'll get all new everything. Everything. All your dog training needs will be met by Ironswick Dog Quip. Oh, the bullfed himself. Yeah. Okay. So I can get myself some mills, some great leads, some collars. All that Training devices, treats, balls, whatever I need. Yeah. You'll be able to get that from Ironswick because you're going to be here in Australia. Well, that means that you have to go up. North, further north yep. in, in North America yep. and go and see old mate Mach Le Point. Yep. And get everything from Canine everything. Dynamics. Oh, Canine Dynamics. Yep. Yep. I'll get the leashes I need, the tugs I need, everything. I think I can even get bite suits. Everything. Yeah. I can get that from Canine Dynamics. Yep. From in North America. Mm-hmm. There is one part of this that is somewhat unfair. Well, you get to hang out with Melanie Benway. Yeah, so I'm actually going to get my dog. Tra- I'm not going to do any of the training. Yep. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to get a play and train mm-hmm. done where Mel's actually just going to come to my house because I'm going to take that dog to Richmond, Virginia. Yep. Ashland, Virginia Ashland. as well. Ashland, Ashland Virginia. Virginia. Yep. So everything both areas. Yeah. Uh, I can be either one of those mm. and I'm just going to go do something else nine to five and she'll come into my home, train that dog. Well, and- you're sipping... Cafe just, lattes. Just, just gallivanting yeah. all over Gallivanting. The <laughs> Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm at my house. Glenn's in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Hey, go up. Sign of the times, isn't it, really? Yep. And that, and you've got a big adventure that just happened. Yeah. Hey, are we allowed to podcast in person? We are, hey, because we're media. I think we count as, like, if we wanted to be in person, I think we legally can. I don't know, to be entirely honest. I know that I was watching Mark Boris the other day, and he's allowed to go into the city to his studio to podcast, so I guess. Yeah. Anyway, here we are. Here we are. We missed last week. I have to apologize to everybody. We missed last week. I've had kind of a tumultuous two weeks. Mm-hmm. 
guys might remember at the end of the last episode we did with Jillian, I said, well, I've got to go because we're off to go have a baby. There was a few hiccups with that along the way. So we had our, our little boy. His name's Axel Wild Stewart. <laughs> Great And name. when he was born, yeah, we spent a lot of time thinking about that one. We really backed ourselves into a corner with Ripley Danger, so we had to come up with something cool. Yep. But yeah, when he was born, because it was a C-section, uh, he had some like fluid in his lungs. Rip had the same, so we weren't worried at all. We were just like, oh, yeah, they go, they got to go to the special care nursery and be monitored there. And we were like, oh, yeah, that's like, that's normal. That's what we went through last time. Mm. But then he was in there for a lot longer than Rip was. And then long story short, he ended up having to be on pressurized oxygen. And then that blew a hole in his lung. And he had, it's called a pneumothorax, which is where he had a hole in his lung and he was venting air into his own chest cavity, which was kind of crushing him from the inside out. So once they figured that out, it was, you know, a big emergency off to the children's ICU and he had to be put on a ventilator. He was in the full sealed, you know, the whole works and jerks sort of thing. He had to be put on a ventilator and have a tube put into his chest to release that pressure that was the, the air that was in his in his chest. And so that tube was in for a couple of days and they got all the air out and and then it's been kind of this slow process of him recovering. But as we record now on Monday, he was born two weeks ago, almost to the hour, to be honest. And hopefully everything going well overnight tonight, he'll be coming home with us tomorrow. So Mate, it's been a shit fighter for two weeks. Mm. Uh, Jane was in hospital for five days and then she left and um, Axel had to stay. And it's been really hard on Rip. You know, he did his Zoom meeting with school because they're on learn from home bullshit. And, you know, his teachers kind of known and all that. They knew that he was having a, that we were having a baby and he missed the first week of, of the Zoom meetings because we said that he wasn't going to be there because yeah, James is going to be in hospital. But then at the second week when he turns up, the teacher's like, oh, how's your little brother going? You're getting lots of cuddles. And Rip has to then say, like in front of his whole class, like, oh, I've never met him. He's still in hospital. And at that point, it was kind of touch and go whether he was going to even survive or not. And so mm. it was like, <laughs> it's pretty hard for the whole family, but we're through it now. And um, like I say, hopefully by the time everyone's hearing this, he's home and and safe and we're back to normal life. Well, as normal as life can be now with uh, a fresh baby in the house. Mm. Yeah, look, obviously I knew about what was going on on a day-by-day basis because I was touching base with you and you were kind enough to fill me in to what was happening privately and with your little son. And by the way, congratulations to you and Jane on having him and the fact that Thanks. he's turned a corner and he's doing so well at the moment. I did say to you at the time that, you know, look, I wasn't going to disclose what was going on. It's your story to tell. And, you know, now that you've publicly done that, people have a better idea of why you've been a little bit media silent lately. And I just yeah. wanted to respect your wishes. All I wanted to do is just wish you and Jane well with Axel's recovery and, everything that he was doing and I'm not family or blood to to your son or to Rip or to you even but we're mates and I care about you guys and it was a bit nerve-wracking for me having a bit of an inside knowledge on what was going on I'm just glad you're all well and pulled through it and it's a you know on top of this it's COVID too so it's just adding another layer of stress to everybody to be in lockdown and to have everything so barriered apart from each other and including for you and Jane having to work through that in the hospital. Yeah, you're right. It's not like we're keeping it a secret or anything. It's just I just had other shit going on mm. that than online talking about it with people, you know. So we just wanted to make sure that the family was all safe. And there's nothing I can do like uh, over the last two weeks other than try and support the family. And so that's been the priority. 
the lockdown's been a shit fight through it all. And, you know, you can imagine in a baby ICU, they take that shit really seriously. So the procedures to get in and out of there have been pretty overwhelming. And and, and then because of that, like we, we've basically done nothing other than been there for two weeks because we couldn't go to anywhere in case we were then in one of the exposure sites. And actually, like, you know, when he was the at his worst, he had to be transferred to a different hospital. And then when he recovered and was off the ventilator, they put him, they sent him back to the special care nursery at the original hospital he was in. And like a day after he left that other hospital, they had a COVID case in there and are now under like a total lockdown kind of thing. And that's where all the premature babies and stuff were. It, it was just that... I'm not sure of the details of it. I, I don't know, but I'm glad that we were out by then because now you can't get in there at all and they've sealed that whole part of the hospital. So yeah, we kind of dodged a bullet there. Anyway, life's hopefully back to normal as of tomorrow morning. And it's been a little bit of an eye opener, you know, like it, it's an interesting one because you, you're sort of traveling around and doing normal life things because your life can't stop. I've got to, you know, like go to the shops and buy food and all that kind of shit. Mm. And you've got this sort of cloud hanging over your head thinking like I've got this baby in hospital and we don't know you know, how that's going to pan out. And it's kind of been a bit of an eye-opener to think, you know, you don't know what the fuck else people are going through. Like I was pretty not proud of myself, but in my street, sometimes there's a lot of traffic in my street to get through and you can't get through. And like I asked this guy to move his car so that I could get through and he was just this like just belligerent to me. And normally I would be sort of pretty accommodating, but it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was, I was pretty unkind to this dude and, you know, like really out of character for myself. And it was like, ah, shit. Like, you know, that was a moment of reflection on myself where I was like, oh, that's not how I would have acted except that, you know, there's a lot of compounding stress factors here. Mm. It was a bit of an eye opener then to think, you know, how many times you maybe are on the receiving end of something from somebody else that is, you know, going through similar shit or, you know, you're, you might, the little thing that you say or do to someone might be the straw that broke the camel's back. And yeah. Anyway, it's been a, a tough couple of weeks, but we're out of it now. So yeah, we're back onto life. Mate, I totally get it. I think that we have to be a lot more understanding, a lot more careful and a lot more patient with people in regards to how things are going at the moment. I know Victoria went through this, so you know a lot of Victorians might be listening to this and going, guys, we've already been through this and we've had lockdown five and possibly going to enter lockdown six. This is a significant lockdown that's happening in New South Wales at the moment with really no end in sight until we're at a vaccination level. So literally they're just throwing vaccinations at us and saying, you've got a choice, but the choice is you know, you either return to normal life or you don't return to normal life. And I'm not trying to make this an anti-vaxxer thing because I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm a sensible vaccination person and I also like to be well-informed about things. And I'm, you know, like it's a really difficult conversation to have because it's so... It's fucking hard. Like I'm struggling having these conversations with people at the moment because it's just, it's a change world. Like it's bizarre. You know, nothing in my childhood has even prepared me for this. I'm struggling a little bit and I know fucking other people are really struggling with it. So it's not a fun place to be in at the moment. It's it's difficult for people. And, yeah. you know, because of that, I do think that we have to exercise a, a lot more compassion and a lot more understanding. But at the same token... There are times where you release onto something and even though that may be unfair or unreasonable or out of character, sometimes it's, as you said, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back and you can't help but to unload and sometimes that's the worst possible time. 
Yeah, totally. Totally. Anyway, hey. Let's talk you, dogs. Yeah, you've got a topic. Yeah. So my topic is kind of related to where we're going with all this. Well, not so much, but it's more related to working online with people. I've done consults with people online a bit over here and there, but because I've sort of ramped that up because my workflow has changed considerably because of these heavier lockdowns, I spoke to the company and they said to me, if you're happy to do them, we're happy to support you and that would be great. Good for the company, good for everybody, really. So I've ramped it up a bit and got quite a few people coming through at the moment. And one thing that I found, and I don't know if this has been an experience of yours, but one thing that I found that I find a little amusing and a little confronting and a little troubling is that because somebody books an hour with you, I don't know whether it's because they want value for money or they get overexcited. I don't know what the actual real reason is, but one of the things I'm finding is that people are trying to cram everything into that hour. It's like you get on, you open the Zoom consult, you say hello, you get the sort of like the niceties out of the way, and then they go, and they're all over the place like for 15 minutes. It's like a little kid going into an ice cream store and they've got like a pocket of cash. You know, and they can get all the lollies and ice cream they want and they just want everything. They want, you know, they want this flavor and that flavor and they want gummy bears in it. You're just saying, hang on, just pump your brakes. I know this is exciting, but really it's taken me a long time to get here. And, you know, as much as I would like to condense this in and try and fast track it as much as possible, this isn't the matrix and I can't just jam a rod in the back of your head and download it, everything into you in 15 minutes. We need to have a start and we need to have an incremental staging platform along the way. And then we just need to see where we get to in the lesson. And people sort of look at you and going, hey, that's my hour. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of, I get it and I understand, but you've got to put the park brake on for somebody sometimes just to halt their enthusiasm so you can actually work through it. And I guess when people start seeing that, there is a method to the madness in what you're trying to do then, then they sort of relax and calm down into it and go, oh, okay, I, I can see what we're trying to do here and how this is going to benefit me. I think that over the years of us doing the podcast and just generally talking to people in general, people who want to become trainers or trainers themselves, is that you don't just start a building off. A machine doesn't come and just go bang and plant it in the ground. First, yeah. there is a lot of consulting and there's a lot of considerations and then you've got to test the soil where you are and then you've got to start digging foundations and that's where you've got to go from. And this is exactly what happens when online consults are happening and, or even when just general consults, it doesn't matter whether it's online or in person. I get it. People say, can you help me heal this problem now? It's really troubling me. Like it's really bothering me. And the answer is yes, but not as quickly as you would like. And that's just unfortunate sometimes. And it's a bonus, like it's a real bonus if you can have a lesson with somebody and give them almost instant relief, but it's generally not something that you would see in any practical moment. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I've been doing the online stuff, you know, I started doing it pre-COVID. I've been doing it a few years and then obviously last year kind of ramped it up and then this year set up this whole setup that I'm in now to do them. So I do a lot. I do a lot, like probably... Yeah, at least two days when I'm working normally, I'm not at the moment, but at least two full days a week I mm. do them. 
The only problems I've had really, like I've had a couple of issues of what you sort of had mentioned there where people just are rapid firing questions and maybe not consolidating the answers very well. I think I've had a little bit of that, not, not much, but the way that I have mine set up is it's an online booking system. And so there is no vetting prior, like anyone who wants to can book those sessions with me. Mm. This has only happened, I think two or three times where it usually, you know, it's an aggression thing or really peculiar reactivity sort of issue or something like that. And I end up sort of having to say to people, listen, I can help you. Yeah, we can speak generally. And if you have it, you can show me video of the dog and that kind of stuff. But I'm really limited in what I can actually provide you here. And I'm lucky that I have a, you know, a pretty big network. And so more often than not, people who are coming to me in that instance were in fact, all of them that have come to me in that instance have had a trainer that it hasn't panned out for. They've had a bad experience somewhere else. And they've, you know, they've heard something on the podcast or in a video that I've put out or something like that. And then they're, they're like, Oh, you, that sounds like, you know, about our scenario when you're speaking generally, you know, and mm. then they're like, give it specifics. So we, we continue to speak generally and I often help people, you know, like we might get a little bit specific, but, more often than not, then I can refer them to someone else and that, that I know within a couple of hours drive of them, no matter where they are in the world, I can usually point them to someone that is able to help them physically and can do, help do the things that I've talked about them with. And more often than not, then I touch base with that person and say, hey, this is what I recommended. Like, I'm not trying to steer you in what you do because you're the one that will actually see the dog and you're the one that will actually meet the people. But this is what I've said and this is what I think will work based on what they have told me. But the majority of the stuff that I do online is a lot of long-term coaching stuff. And that's what I have tried to encourage people. And certainly it's what people tend to sort of come to me for is it's conversation based, right? So there, there often is very like, this is my specific problem. I want to work on that. But a lot of it is conversation based over the long haul where people are like, Hey, I'm interested in X, you know, whatever it is. And, and we discuss that and then that might just be one session. And then we build to the next session discussing something else. And I've got people that I've done, you know, I'm sure they're listening to this. There's plenty of people that I do regular lessons with there. There's multiple people all around the world that I've helped guide through raising their latest puppy. Right. So even prior to getting the puppy, I've helped them. Some people I've helped source a puppy and others they've already got it or they've they're planned to get it. And they want, you know, just someone to check in with along the way mm. um, and send and that kind of stuff. So like for the most part, my experience in online stuff has been really, really good. What I have had is not often, but I have had a few people, you know, that have not done any of the things that other trainers have said. You know? mm. And so they've had a real trainer and someone in like physically that they've seen and they're like, oh, this guy said this. And I was like, okay, that, that sounds like that would work. Have you done it? It's like, no. It's like, <laughs> okay. What are we talking for? You know, mm. like, what are we going to discuss? If you just want to hear it from me again, I'm happy to tell you, but you've got to action the things like no, no trainer is able to train your dog via Zoom. It's up to you to actually do the things. How do you do them? When you, when you do them, you just do it on the computer like this when you talk to people? Yeah, just like this. Literally what I've been asking people to do prior to us having the Zoom consult is send me their talking points, like what they want to talk about. So it just gives me, like if they've got video of a specific problem or a dog behavior that they want me to see, I like to watch it beforehand so then we can unpack it together because I just don't want to sort of be surprised by it on the Zoom and then not have the tools to basically 
well, I don't want to be unprepared by the time I'm there. So I like to have a look at it. I like to consider what we're going to talk about. And like I said, you know, sometimes I'll get an email that's enormous and it's got like 50 different points and I'll write back to them and said, look, I'm just going to let you know that we're going to be lucky to cover three of these in this consult. And this is not me baiting you to sign up for more. I'm just letting you know. And they usually put a smiley face back there and go, I, I expected that you would say that. However, you know, you got to you appreciate some people's gumption sometimes <laughs> that they think they're going to get through all that work. It is nice that they went to the preparation and to the level to do that and have suggested themselves that, you know, like we may need to do multiples. And I've said, if you want answers to this, there's probably things in here that I may not be able to answer for you or may not be able to offer you any professional relief. And it may need to be that I can work through some of it and then I can recommend you to somebody else who is probably more professionally set up to answer some of these other questions. So as I've said before, there are things that people have asked me about agility and so forth. And I've just said, listen, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm not an agility guy. I have no formal training in agility. I know how to do tactical agility. I know how to train dogs to jump over, under, on top of, through things and so forth. But if you're looking to go onto a field and score points as an as an agility competitor, I'm not your guy. I can point you in the direction of half a dozen to a dozen world-class, top-class people who could give you great advice. But me, I'm not that person. So it's good that we have that bit of a preamble together that we could sort of discover what it is that's causing problems for them or where they would like to be further educated. And that just gives me, as I said, that just gives me preparation time to think about it. Because there, I mean, look, there's been one or two people that have asked me a few things and I've just thought I would probably be more comfortable sending you to, like somebody asked me the other day about the clack clack board. And I said, I'm going to send you to Pat for that because I don't do a lot enough work at all with the clack clack. I said, my experience with the clack clack has been so limited that he would be better off answering that question for you. So rather than just fumble through things or bullshit to people or pretend that we can fulfill an hour out of that, I'd rather them go to somebody where they're going to get satisfaction and value for money doing those type of things. The, yeah. I guess one of the other talking points that I wanted to have is, you know, there's a couple of people who come to mind. I'm not saying this in a insulting sort of manner, but just conversations with them where they have, you know, not only in the lessons themselves, but also the directions they're trying to take personally, like they're going too fast about it. It's not that they're going in a wrong way about it. It's just that they're trying to branch off and they're fragmenting. And I'm not talking about being single-minded because as you're going along, you'll find various forks in the road where you have to make life choices and say, hmm, both A and B now are quite appealing. I was kind of fixated on this path, but you know, I can see that there is opportunities and there are different ways. And then you have to decide, which one do I want to do now? It doesn't mean you can't do both, but which one do you want to do now? Look, I know I've been boring people talking about guitar work and so forth, but some of the online content that I learned, there's different methods that it teaches you, like whether you want to do rhythm, whether you want to do power chords, whether you want to do soloing melodies and so forth. And you've got to stick with a pattern, a set pattern for a period of time until you've got some competency behind that. Because if you're just jumping from part to part, you'll never really find any metrics or measurement in bettering yourself, you always find that you're just sort of tripping along and you never really gain any good grounding. 
So I guess the ethos of what we're talking about today, that's kind of like the message that I wanted to get out in this episode is to suggest to people, I know it's exciting and I know there's a lot out there and I know some people think that you've got to have it all now, but some of the people that are asking me these questions are young people. They're people that are less than or even half my age, but for some reason they think they've got to have it all now or else it's going to be an epic fail for them. Well, you don't. Even at my age, I literally turned 51 a couple of weeks ago and I'm still learning stuff and I'm still having a ball. I'm still enjoying watching and also doing sessions with other people where I need to buy some time to say, don't know how to do that. Fill me in. What would you recommend in in these sessions? Or just with colleagues in the industry where I'm saying, that was interesting. Could you share with me how you learned how to do that or what inspired you to do that? It opens up a different methodology of thinking. And all of a sudden you've got access to all these different portals that you didn't have access before. But then again, you can say to yourself, okay, well now all these are open to me. It doesn't necessarily mean that I have to try and grab everything. Let's try and grab something that's more relevant to what I'm doing. And that will give me the benefits of either completing that or being able to help me answer questions for other people. Yeah. I think One of the modern day problems that we have, it's not just in our industry, but sort of everything is this overwhelming access to all of the information. Mm. And so I think it used to be, even as recently as maybe like five, 10 years ago, it was the case that you had to grow slowly and you had access to the mentor, coach, trainer, teacher that you had, and you had to digest everything you could from them. And then- outgrow that person or be ready to go out and get the next bit of information. Or, you know, you really master one thing and then you go and look for the next bit until you find what you're going to sort of master in. And and I think that's, you know, like often the case where say in dog training, you you go and like a lot of people become dog trainers because they have a problem dog and they employ a trainer and they end up kind of shadowing that person. And like, I think that's a really good system because you then shadow that person. And then by the time people are doing it for a job, you tend to kind of niche down a little bit. I think you do your referrals come from people who you've helped for the most part, and they'll give you referrals for people with similar issues because you're proven in being capable of handling that. Or you might've already specialized in, you know, you might be a, a scent detection guy and that's all you do. So I think that what ends up happening, you know, naturally is that when you are working with real people, you you grow slowly because you've got access to what they're going to teach you and they will control the access to that information. And when it gets to the point where you're like, oh, I want to do something else, or you you know what they're going to say before they say it, that's when it's time to then look for the next person that's going to teach you. And I think that's a really natural kind of way of doing it. And mm. that's, you know, for when I was in the army, it's how everything, like all the mentors I had there. And, and for the large part, that's how it's been in training. But I think one of the problems that we face, I don't think I've been guilty of this in the dog space, but I definitely have in like other spaces for sure, is bouncing around like a squirrel, <laughs> like <laughs> just a bit of information, a bit of information without really getting it. And I've had the brakes put on me, you know, when I was really into, I'm fat as hell at the moment because I've just been stress eating for two weeks and not been training. But like when I was into training really hard and like say this time last year when I was like, learning about the kettlebell stuff there's like six 
basic moves in kettlebells, right? You start out and there's these six moves and everything is built off of all of that. And the coach that I had, I said to him one day, hey, I want to learn to do the windmill. And that's not one of the six ones. And I looked at a bunch of videos on YouTube and he's like, why do you want to do the windmill? And I was like, well, because it's the step to the bent press. And that's my ultimate goal is to do the best bent press. And he laughed and it's like, You're not, you shouldn't be doing any bent presses. Like that's, that's so far away from what you should be doing. And of course I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And just tried to do it myself and learned online and totally fucked up my right shoulder trying to do a bent press. And so like, I feel like that's what we see sometimes in the dog space mm. is people who are bouncing around. And cause I had a real coach who was like, no, don't do it. And I didn't fuck up my shoulder that bad, but I did something I shouldn't have done. It was totally recoverable. It was no big deal. But without a real guide, without a real mentor, you can kind of flap around in the breeze quite a lot and be like, okay, I've heard that. It's time to, I know it. It's time to go to the next bit. And for me, that's what it was like with this kettlebells. I was like, I know those six moves and I wasn't perfect at six of them. I knew of them and I knew how to do them and I could explain it, but I couldn't do them perfectly. There was no way I could perform all of them flawless technique with to the right weight standard and all the sorts of things to go on to the next. And that's the benefit of having a real coach that then says, no, 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 like you're still learning. I know you think you know it. I know you've heard me say it and you don't see much difference between what I'm doing and what you're doing, but there is a difference and you're not ready to go to that next level. I think that's the function of the coach or the mentor or whatever we assign that, whatever label we put onto that. And with absent that, where you're just learning on your own, I feel like what we see in the dog training spaces, and it's what I'm guilty of in other spaces where I don't have a coach, is that you're just a headline reader. And you read the headline and you kind of think you understand it, don't necessarily. And you're like, yeah, I got that. I'm on to the next bit. And it's like, uh, you read the headline of what is a, you read the title of the book. And actually, this is a 500 page book. <laughs> There's so much more depth that could be gone into and understood in that space. And it's a first world problem because it, it just means that like everybody has access to so much information. I'm guilty of perpetuating that. I got an online course and I do online courses. And you know, the, the problem with online courses and when you're getting, you know, we make videos and you put it out, there's no test. There's no like you passed or failed or you know it or you don't. So someone might buy an online course and watch it a thousand times and really study it and know it. And then they even still only know that piece. They don't know the depth of everything. Like that's one of the things that worries me about my own courses. Like that's how I said it on that day, right? Like when we're, when we're filming that video, that's the way it came out of my mouth that day. That's not necessarily the best way, the right way. Yeah, maybe I've said it better since or before, but with these online courses, you get people do it. Some people really get it. And then other people, skim through the videos and go, yeah, I've watched, I've done the online course, right? So it's like really different depths of understanding and knowledge. And I don't know about the fix. I don't know. Well, I guess the fix is having real physical coaches, right? Like, and actually like investing with one person until you feel like you've really got it, or they even tell you like, you've really got it. And that's definitely something I've had with people who I've done online coaching with that all around the world is sometimes eventually they book a session. And I'm like, where are we going with this? Because we've been through this. Like, I'm not sure 
like, well, you've got it. I've, you've sent me the videos. You're doing it correctly. You, you understand this. Like it's either time for us to move on to something else or time for us to go separate ways. And you go and the thing that you're more interested in, you go learn from someone else or you know, whatever I can't give you, or we, we change topics or whatever, because you've got it. And I think that's the role of the coach, right? Is to keep people on track, but then also push them off the track when they're done. Yeah, I think there are so many responsibilities of a coach or a trainer or whatever you want to call yourself. And many of those responsibilities are to bring out the best version of that person that you possibly can in the time frame that you've got them for. Do you know the trainer's name of Ariana Titmus, the swimming coach? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name either, which is a bit sad because I've been watching some reels of that. But I remember him talking to uh, Mel and Koshy on the Seven Morning Show this morning. And he was primarily saying, my obligation to you was to give you the best plan that I could possibly give. And your obligation to me was to execute that in the best possible way that you could. And then to give each other feedback either way and to tweak what needed to be tweaked. And I think that was in such a short amount, that summary was probably one of the best summaries I've heard, is that that's the role of the master coach or a coach or a trainer, whatever you are, is to try and help that person unlock the best of themselves in the time that you've got them for. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head by saying the best version of that person, because I think that's one of the issues we face is that, yeah, the cookie cutter system in dog training. And mm. it's like, you know, this system and we just lay it out. And especially when you're teaching online, it can be really difficult. The Zoom meeting opens up and it's a person there and you don't know what level of experience they're at one of the things that I find is you often don't actually know what people do for a job. Dog training might be their jobby or their hobby or even just their pet owner, you know, either one. And you don't know what depths of experience they have and what life experience they've had to get them to that point. And that can be the issue of like that short-term relationship in that space. That's why mm. I think the long-term relationships are always much, much more fruitful because you can then really get to know the people and be like, hey, this is what you need, right? Like, this is when you need me to be nice to you, or this is when you need me to be mean to you. Yeah, what's the master coach line? I think it's in the talent code where he says, oh no, it's in Buck where he says, some people's lives have been all cream and it's time to stir in some shit. Mm. And some people's lives have been all shit and it's time to stir in some cream. Yeah, that was profound, that movie. It, it stirred up some thoughts in me when I watched it, especially, I know we've talked about this in, couple of early episodes. And, you know, this episode is probably very reflective of things that we've talked about in the past. However, because it's now in an age where things are switching to digital because of necessity, or as you said before, something that you've been doing for a while, it's something that I haven't been focusing on for a long time because I haven't had the time and availability to do it because I'm running my own team here. But now that I am doing it and sort of like thinking, ah, oh, this is familiar yet unfamiliar territory. There are things and yeah. considerations that I've got to a change and adapt to and be flexible on the go. But getting back to the buck thing, that sparked some emotion in me is when he told the story about the value of getting those gloves given to him by the rancher and how yeah. nobody had ever really given him anything before and he just didn't feel like he was anything of value and getting those gloves was such a prize that he just – like he didn't even want to put them on and get them dirty or, or wreck them. He just put them in his back pocket and the rancher was quite kind of confused about that, but he didn't realize how much of a symbol that was to that little kid at the time. And that was, you know, that sort of punched me right in the feels. That was a pretty significant statement in that movie. I kind of felt for the guy. I just thought, man, what a terrible life you must've had. If you really thought getting a pair of gloves. 
Yeah, he's him and his brother. His father used to pretty much torture him. Yeah, so he's the perfect example of his life was all shit, and it was time for someone to stir in some cream to him. Mm. And then you know you get people that are the opposite that are just like they've been sheltered and protected from the consequences of their actions the whole their whole yeah. life. And it's, like, it's like, hey, I got bad news. You're gonna have to learn the hard way. Yeah, well, I think there was an example of that where one of the ladies on Buck, going back to that movie again, when that horse bit one of his trainers in the head, I'm assuming, I think, you know, the lady was quite affluent or probably spoiled. And he pretty much laid the law down to her and said, you need to fucking pull your head into gear over this horse, you know, like this horse is bad news. Yeah. Of course, that's unwelcoming news when you're in love with something, you know, when you love a dog or a horse or and it's a mean son of a bitch. And, you know, there have got to be some rules and some regulations or even some, you know, some serious consequences that have got to come their way. Of course, there is heartbreak and strong emotion over that. But you really do need somebody to take control and being a horse guy and grab the reins there and say, no, 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 this is not going to proceed any further than it is because you you are a public liability with um, animals like that are in this condition. It's just not right for you right now. Yeah. It's a great movie. I feel like there's there's a lot there's a lot to be taken from that. I'm spewing that I never went and saw him. He used to come to Australia sort of every January. Mm. Obviously not at the moment, but I, I would have loved to have gone and see one of his shows. I, I know nothing about horses. I've never trained a horse. I, you know, I'm certainly living in my inner city apartment. I'm very unlikely. <laughs> I have a hard enough time raising the working dogs that I do. I'm not going to be getting a horse anytime soon, but. I feel like there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of parallels between horse training and dog training. And, and, and one of the things I, I sort of certainly notice is a lot of the people that come to us from the horse world are some of the best at negative reinforcement, like that gentle guiding pressure, not that forceful yank and crank style pressure, but that gentle, like, hey, it, you know, that like insistence where you say like, hey, this is how it's going to be. And there's no other way it's going to go that way. And they, that's horse people are often the very best at that. Because you just can't yank and crank a 500-kilo animal that could kick you in half. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. However, there are some pretty brutal horse people out there that do. Yeah, totally. Of course, yeah. yeah. And that's why they get bitten and booted by their horses. Yeah. It's a funny topic that sort of jumping around and not focusing on one thing, I think it probably is compounded by not necessarily COVID and lockdowns and that kind of stuff, but, uh, but the prevalence of online training. And people's access to, you know, and we, we're such advocates of education. Yeah, get speak to all these people. You can get all this. And I think that there's a line between just bouncing around and talking to everybody versus, you know, taking in the information and going to the right people to answer the, the specific questions that you have and having the right questions, you know, like getting as much information as you can that is free and available and talking to someone for the binders rather mm. than the big chunks, you know, because the big chunks are available. Everybody's got like, if there, if there's a trainer that you want to talk to or online, you want to do a session with, chances are they're a person that has a bunch of content that's free and available, right? Because that's how you've heard of them. That's how you know who they are. And so I feel like your best bet in that space is to take in as much of that as possible and then take the face-to-face time with that person, whether it's online or in you know, for real life, to ask them about the binders, the bits and pieces that put that together. And then one of the things I definitely like when people do with me is they can reference things. So you know, people might say, yeah, I've certainly have had lessons where people say, I saw your Instagram video 
where you said this and that's why we're having this conversation because I feel like that relates to me. Here's my situation. And that like for me, that's always been a whenever something like that happens, I'm like, oh, that's a really good setup. Like that makes me happy that this person had we're talk we are talking because you've done the research. You think that you know something I've said resonates with you, whether it's specifically what I've said or how I've said something, either way it doesn't matter. You have a plan and we're gonna try and action it. This now you've mentally sort of downloaded the stuff that's available. Now we can talk about the nuance and we can talk about your specific case instead of having to speak in generalities. Mm. Thinking back to the beginning of when you started this point, I was watching a YouTube clip of Jordan Peterson Mm. and he was talking about his frustration with people wanting an equal opportunity world where he just said, I don't agree with that at all. And he said, I like scalability in people's techniques and so forth. He said, it's not that I'm not about people being treated the same and people being treated well. He goes, but what I don't like is the thought of if I wanted a doctor to look after myself or my family, I'd like to be able to pick the doctor that I'm choosing from, somebody who's aspired to be great rather than just all these people lining up and saying, we'll take your pick, they're all the same. And that was a nail that got hit on the head for me. I know is that sometimes this gets taken out of context because there are a lot of people who don't actually mean that they want everything in the world to be vanilla, but there's a lot of people who do. They want everything to be exactly the same. But I agree with what he said. I like it when people aspire to be great. I like to know that I have the choice to go and work or mentor under or learn from people who have challenged themselves and they've pushed themselves and they have focused heavily on subject matter that I find interesting as well because they've done all the work and they've read all the manuals and they've mentored under all the great people that they can condense it down and they can make good understanding of it and they can give you a version of it which is more palatable. So when you do hear it, You don't have to go reading all those books and you don't have to go chasing it all because somebody has done it for you. And that's why you're paying that person for their time because they have been so abundant and collected so much vast and carefully cherry-picked, not cherry-picked in a bad way, but cherry-picked in a way that has given them the fortitude to give solid information back on that specific subject matter. And it could be whatever you want. It doesn't matter. You can insert anything into the bracket of what is that. Well, it could be scent detection. It could be aggression. It could be obedience. It could be agility. It could be flyball. It could be a vast amount of things. It could even be not dog related. But whatever it is, you can be very thankful that you had somebody that aspired to greatness, that they did go out there and they learned all these things. They applied it. They went through the torment and the tumultuous times of finding out what was fucking up on them and what was causing absolute havoc. And then they learned their way through that. So then they can they can actually help fast track you through that. They can say, here are the things that you can expect to encounter. It's coming for you. However, I'm not you and I can't predict everything that you will do. However, here is what I did. And then you may need to see me for version two and version three and version four, but let's stick with version one for now. Something again, which is more palatable, something that is a chunk down version that you can work with that won't over frustrate you, that your dog and you will benefit from. And then when you're ready, that's time to go to level two. Yeah. It's a tricky one because it can be hard to determine 
when you're talking, like when you're looking for someone to learn something from, it can be kind of hard to determine who is that person. Right? I agree. You might see someone's online stuff or, you know, the content that they put out or you hear them say something or whatever. And then you got to be careful. You know, you have finite resources, time and money to learn from people. And it can be hard to then sort of, you might think that you're going in for that person. That's like, yep. Like they've done the research there. They know all the stuff and then they haven't. And then you can, you could really be led down the garden path. And that's, that's one of the tricky things I think about online stuff as well. I think as a person that has been doing online stuff, you know, I started in it because I heard a podcast and someone was saying that they were separation anxiety specialist and that they exclusively did stuff online because it was just conversation based. I don't do any dog training when I'm just doing separation anxiety. I never actually uh, hands on with the dog. And that was the first time I'd heard about it. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I can't imagine doing that, but I think that's interesting. And just from a business standpoint, you know, you're no longer traveling, totally cuts down your overheads. And then it sort of led me to sort of think in that time, I was like, and also if you're not very good, that would be very easy to hide if you were <laughs> online. And, that, and that's why I just kind of, put it on the shelf and didn't think about it. And it wasn't until I started traveling teaching that then I had people, you know, who were long way away from me asking, you know, I was prompted to do it. it. It was not that I decided to do it. It was people saying like, Hey, I want to do this. I want to buy some of your time. I want to do online stuff with you. And then it was a real interesting, you know, how it would come about because exactly that, like I had it in my head, there was the issue of like, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well researched and I, I try and I try pretty hard not to go outside my lane. And if I don't know stuff, I'm very happy to tell people I don't know. And chances are, I, I do know a person that can answer the question for them if it can be answered at all. And I'm happy to give those referrals. So I was really cognizant of the fact when I first started doing online stuff of like making sure that I stayed hands-on to a, to an extent. And so when I started doing them, I started doing them in my training space and I had the, both my dogs with me and they were like in the crates ready to rock as kind of demos. And I was doing it down in the garage and it just never happened. Like it just wasn't helpful. It just like, I never, nobody ever wanted. And I found myself kind of prompting like, here, look, I'll show you. And people like, you could see them, you know, when you're sort of looking at people on the zoom and you can see them kind of like pulling it, like looking around the room. And <laughs> yeah, I book to time to talk to you, not watch you play with your dogs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. basically. And so mm. like I abandoned that. and you know, now I've got a very slick setup for it. But again, it's come down to the fact that it's really just talking to people. And if you were so inclined, you could just totally bullshit them. Like you could totally be full of shit doing the online stuff. And I think that's, you know, it, you prompt me to think about it when you're saying, you know, they're so well researched and that kind of stuff is I think as a person who does these kind of things, it's so important to maintain a body of evidence. And I think like, like for me personally, I think about it quite a lot of maintaining a body of evidence of like, here's my dog and the things that I can train with my dog. I don't have that much hands-on kind of the average reactive pet and that kind of thing anymore. It's not something I can like show. And it's a tricky one of that show your work. Like when you're doing the online things, it's a tricky one of how do you show your work? And I feel like for us, we're kind of showing our work now because it's showing like, Hey, I know, I know stuff about dogs. I can talk you through it. And then like my work is being an explainer of things an analyzer, a breaker downer of problems and problem solver for the client. And, you know, I feel like doing the podcast is us showing our work in that space, mm. right? Like I still have to be hands-on with the dogs quite a lot, but showing that I know how to talk and that I know I can explain things effectively is showing the work. 
And then, you know, I'm always cognizant of, I try and prompt people to who I am training with to post video, like who I'm you know doing online stuff with to post video of it so that there's like, Hey, here's a person I did help. And I'm showing my work that there's before and after, like they did it all. I've never, I've never, I've never touched that dog. I've never even met this person. They're on the other side of the planet. We've, we've only spoken online and here's their progress, progress that they're, they're showing or whatever. So it's a tricky space. And it, it, I think that exactly as you say, like it is equal opportunity. Everybody's got Zoom. You can run a online classes via your phone. You don't need any, like everybody has the capacity to do that, right? The barrier to entry is zero. Mm. Wading through who is worth talking to and who is not, I think can be tricky. And as a person who does it, I think, you know, and, and for anybody that's listening that wants to do it, I think it is a tricky line to walk between being effective doing it, but also proving your worth as being able to do it. it it's a tricky one. Circling back to the origins of this section, there was an old quote told to me very young in my apprenticeship of becoming a dog trainer, and that is, grey hair does not maketh a man wise. I often <laughs> think about that quote. The reason that I'm bringing this up is some people can advertise, I'm a professional, I'm an expert, I'm a behaviorist. I think this conversation has come up multiple times. It comes up multiple times on different forums and different aspects in many, many different fields. In fact, Bertie Oshidi, our beloved friend who's often on our show, she's been getting into wild mushroom gathering and getting very much into natural mycology. And her and I have been talking about it. It's very fascinating. She's been talking to me about what she's doing in her gardens and so forth. And because we've been in lockdown and I've been thinking about other things to do, I've been starting to research that myself. The point to this is that Bertie put me onto like a mycology group. They do all natural foraging and everything like that. And they hate Paul Stamets. They all hate him. You know, like they really, really oh, they just rip the shit out of Paul Stamets all the time. And somebody had the balls in this group because the group was largely focused on their disrespect to Paul Stamets. And somebody had the balls in the group to say, this guy's actually done a lot for mycology. Like, I would never have got into mycology without Paul Stamets. Like, I would never yeah. have learned how to identify different fungi and or fungi or, or my, I wouldn't have even known what mycelia is. I wouldn't have even had any idea about it in any retrospect whatsoever. But he brought conservation to my mind. He did all this research on how to help heal bees and so forth. So it's not just the dog training world that suffers the slings and arrows of this type of shit. It's, it's in fucking mushroom gathering groups. You know, like it's oh, just, mate, it's, it's abundant. It's human nature to tear each other down. It's just, unfortunately, it's a side effect of what we do. And I would never say that I haven't done that sort of thing myself. I've been judgmental of things that I've seen which I've disapproved of and some things I've had a lot of information on and sometimes I've had very, very little or had no information on it and still had a, a strong opinion around it. So sometimes it's just remarkable things that what we do. But getting back to that point, grey hair does not make the man wise. I think about that a lot because one of my staff said to me the other day, I was up at Terrigal and I was watching them do something with a dog and I was suggesting a few things and one of the staff said, oh, you're so wise, Glenn. And I said, with some things, yes. With other things, no. With some things, I'm well along the path. With other things, I'm just starting off. And I said, but I was a beginner with this myself. It's taken a lot of people's experience and time and knowledge and you know, reading a lot of books and attending a lot of things that helped me get here too. This triggers back to the origins of these conversations is that that's 
how we all get to where we're going to is that we start with a starting place and we have chapters along the way, which are funnily enough, they're like increments in shaping. It's the same sort of thing. And then finally we get to chain all those together and we become somewhat knowledgeable about that information that we're going to pass on to other people. And some people that sits very well with and it's very digestible and very palatable. They enjoy what you're doing. And other people, it makes no sense to them whatsoever because you're speaking in a different dialect than what they're ready to receive. We've talked about that frustration before. It's been a frustration of mine when I think that I've told somebody exactly what they need to hear and they're looking at you like, what fucking language are you speaking? You know, and somebody else will go and say it to them primarily word for word, but they have more of a connection with that person. And that's sometimes that's what it takes. And the early offense that, that I've had over that is I kind of think to myself, well, that's what they needed. They needed that person. That was the right way or the right frequency that they need to get that message in. It's not, it's not mine to give. It never was. I tried, but we didn't vibe well together. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really common. And I don't know if there's any science to back this up, but I feel like sometimes you can reach your limit of being able to learn from someone. So I think you can start with someone and then even though they might have heaps more to tell you, it's probably an ego thing, but you can kind of hit the limit of like your ability to take in information from people anymore. And you see that you know, you might do a seminar somewhere and then someone books a private lesson afterwards and the host of the seminar is one of their clients and you basically say all the same stuff that they've said. <laughs> People are like, yeah, cool, amazing. And, th- and then, yeah, they finish and the host looks at me and says, I've been fucking telling them that for the last six months. <laughs> like, yeah, but I'm from more than 50 kilometers away. So like they have to, like, I'm special and unique because of that. I speak with a different accent, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. The thing was different and that they they came to you for one problem and this isn't that problem. And now they've like, they were only open to you for that issue, not this second issue or whatever. Man, like that happens all the time. And to me as well, for sure, to me, when people people will do work with me and then with Jazz and be like, Jazz said this amazing thing. And I'm thinking, who the fuck do you think she heard that from? (laughs) 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 <laughs> and then, but you just go like oh that's great like i'm glad that i'm glad that worked out for you guys right so the older i get and the more at peace i am with myself and the world even though that's challenging at the moment i kind of think to myself well as long as you got the message that's the main thing yeah. earlier on i used to you know again i'm not a perfect person and things still give me ire at times, but I'm learning to be more at peace with them. I just think, yeah, that's cool. You got what you needed to get. I thought I could give it to you. It didn't work out that way, but the important thing is, is you've got it and it's making sense to you and you're doing better and becoming better because of it. And kudos to the person who was able to get through to you. That's just how human nature is, is sometimes we connect with people and sometimes we repel people away and I think you've just got to be happy with them that if they're looking for information and they find it and they're able to access it and put it together on pack it in some sort of logical sense that gives them the relief that they need. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a win-win for everybody at that stage. Yeah, totally. That's a good place to, to wind it up. It's your topic. Got a conclusion for us. Got closing points. There's a good superannuation ad that used to be around. Well, there's no good superannuation ad, but I used to like the song and it says, from little things, big things grow. And that's the conclusion is, I know you want it all now. I want it all now. I mean, I want to be a great guitarist and I want to shred. But 
you know, I've got to go through the agony and my fingers have to hurt and I have to go through the conditioning and understand how to play different chords and do all that sort of stuff. You know, I've been into it for a year now and I can play some stuff, but I'm by far a great guitarist. And when I watch other people doing it, I think I want to be there. I want to be able to play the way and sound the way you sound. You know, you're phenomenal. But this person has been fucking grinding for years and they've been mentoring for years and they've been asking questions for years. They've had sore fingers for years. That's how it has to be. And that's okay. It's okay. You know, often when I tell, see myself becoming frustrated and I want to put the guitar down out of disgust because it's not working the way I do, I do put it down, but I don't lose my temper about it. I don't get angry and resentful about it. I just think this is the path that it needs to be. And then I need to sit with this for a while and think, what did I learn from this? You know, what's the lesson that I got out of this? Do I need to just stop for today or should I come back later on when I'm feeling a little bit more open-minded again and things are opening back up and I'm feeling good and start in a better place. Like move away from the thing that was frustrating me and then come back gradually when I feel a little bit more completed. And the one thing that I love, the one thing that I'm really enjoying is when I don't think that I've done all that well, I can look back and see where I am compared to where I started. That gives me hope and that gives me encouragement and it keeps me enthused that like I look at it and go, I was at this level before, I'm now at this level. I couldn't do this before, now I can do these things. And I can't wait to do it better and be better at it and to be more efficient at it. But that will come when I'm ready to be there. So I guess that's the closer for everybody else. In it, you know, And that's just metaphorically about life itself, is that you will get there, but you have to hustle and you have to grind. Mm. All right. That's good advice. Thanks, man. All right. Well, that's it for this kind of jumping all over the place, slightly disjointed late episode of the Canine Paradigm Mm. from different parts of the same lockdown city. As always, if you like what you hear, please like, rate, share, subscribe. Do that through whatever subscription service you download us from. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is Patreon. I'm so far behind on Patreon, guys. I'm so sorry. I have not even turned my fucking computer on in two weeks but I feel like I've had a good excuse. So it's stuff's coming out. I'm going to do some Q&As uh, pretty soon now that we're back home and life's going to sort of be getting back to normal. The other way to support the show is Teespring. Jump into there, get yourself some cool merch. Big demand lately for a, a round two of Cool Story Show Me a Dog, the, the child's version, the child drawing version. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to put that on? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's – it's demand and people have said they're going to support us over it. And Katrina sent me a message the other day after I put it up saying, you know, like if I put this on, will you support us? And Katrina sent me a message going, I don't know whether to be honored or horrified about this. And I said, definitely honored. <laughs> I said, people are loving it. They're going with it. It's, I said, it's bringing people together. It's fun. Yeah, it is great. Yeah. So anyway, jump into Teespring. You can get yourself some cool merch there, new t-shirt or wall tapestry. And if you want to get in contact with us, best way to do that is jump into the Canine Paradigm discussion group. There's heaps of information in there. You can search stuff up. You can group source information or you can shoot us an email. We are info at thecanineparadigm.com. That's it. Goodbye. (laughs) 